Welcome back to Sisters Assembled, where we are continuing our breakaway coverage from the Marvels film and covering the different topics that we didn't get a chance to go deep enough into in our initial reactions episode. So this episode, we're going to be focusing on intergalactic politics and the things that happened in the film that may have further ramifications for different properties and things we might see in the future. So super excited to dive a little bit deeper into this one because we definitely didn't touch on it nearly enough in the reactions episode. So it is time to break it down and dive deep this episode. Katie, as always, why don't you kick us off? I'm excited for this one because I really think we never get to talk about this stuff because I just don't think it's a priority in a lot of the films. And quite frankly, I think if you take the Kree and you take the scrolls and you just take them from even just this movie, you might say it's still not that important. And if you, you know, go into Secret Invasion, you might say still not that important. But when you really look at the line of story from starting all the way with the Marvels and where it's coming from, I mean, we have what now three, four properties that have dealt with some of this, have dealt with some of the political stance between the Kree and the scrolls, what that's looked like, everything of that nature. So it's actually a lot more important than I think we're giving the credit to it. And I'm excited because we don't really get to do a lot of the, not that this is going to be like a political talk by any means, but we don't really get to see that aspect of the universe in this way. And so I'm really pumped to do this episode. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. The different properties that have talked about whether it's just the Cree politics, just the scroll politics, or their kind of relationship to one another. I think it's one of the few pieces of storyline that we've actually seen tie over from the Infinity Saga in a really meaningful way. Obviously, we've seen characters develop and things like that. But if you look back, you know, even starting with the first Guardians film, you have Ronan the Accuser, and that's kind of where it all starts. Then, of course, you have Captain Marvel's beginning movie where we get to meet her, her intro movie. That, of course, deals a lot with it. Then we have Secret Invasion. Now this film, and, you know, we'll get to this in a little bit later, but the potential for this political kind of conflict between the two to then branch out and bring in new characters, which I think is really interesting. So it is this really interesting kind of thread between the Infinity Saga and where we are now. And it was cool to be able to see from, you know, the mid-90s when Captain Marvel takes place to now how this has kind of all evolved with her in the center, but also with some of our other franchises being involved as well. So it's a really, really fascinating plot point I think and I'm excited that we finally get a little bit of downtime to actually dive deep into it and talk about the different points of connection the evolution especially of the Cree political kind of stance because that is super fascinating to me so yes let's dive in because I am excited I think the first thing I want to talk about is just kind of the evolution of the Cree politics and kind of that timeline because I think it can be a little confusing if you think about all of the different places we talked about, you know, or we see them. I just named a few, obviously, starting in Captain Marvel, then we see them in the Guardians, then we don't really see them in Secret Invasion, though they're obviously mentioned with the peace talks and now in the Marvels. And then there's the important flashbacks that we see in the Marvels for kind of how we bridge that gap. 
So the first thing I want to talk about is the supreme intelligence, because I think that's really important and not something that I ever really thought about as we talk about the difference between the Kree society in Captain Marvel and the Kree society in Guardians. Because as we know now from the flashbacks in the Marvels, she goes and she literally destroys the supreme intelligence, which based on what Darben was telling us, set them into a civil war. Now, where I kind of am getting confused, and Katie, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is we then see the Kree Society in 2014 when Guardians comes out. And you've, you see the schism, right? You see those who are led by Ronan the Accuser and kind of the accuser more hardline Kree, which then Darben is kind of the successor of. And you see kind of what I would consider more mainstream party in the Cree politics who is really working more on kind of alliances and things like that which to me I was then shocked to see that Darben was the one leading the alliance with the scrolls but that's a whole nother part of this conversation was she leading it or was she yeah yeah we'll get to that yeah but <laughs> but I definitely want to get your thoughts on kind of how that how one led to the other and the destruction of the supreme intelligence led to what we saw in Guardians, because I think that's really important to understand. And it's kind of confusing to me. It is a little confusing because I think Guardians focuses, of course, on Ronan. That's the whole idea. He's the whole plot thread. He brings in Thanos. That's how this is all connected. And I think if you look at it just from that perspective, it doesn't necessarily seem weird. They're calling him an extremist. And that's how he's painted. You know, he is Kree. But he doesn't have the same ideals that all of the Cree people have or that the majority of the Cree people even have. And I think they do a good job in Guardians of painting it because he teams up with Thanos. And from the get go, we're like, this guy we already know is not a good guy. And so we're seeing that connection. I think from that perspective, it doesn't seem strange that you have because of the Civil War. I don't think it seems strange that you have that dynamic. I do understand, though. The part of the good Kree empire that we see, I mean, does not match what we pretty much see in the Marvels. For lack of, not because I can't think it through, but because I just have this feeling, I think it was just simply overlooked. I think it was just one of those things that they didn't quite match the continuity. Because again, how long do we see the positive side of the Kree and the Guardians? Not really that long. It's all about Ronin, and that's the main focus on the Kree side. And so I just quite simply think they overlooked that little detail, kind of forgot that we've seen parts of the Kree Empire since the Marvel or sorry, since Captain Marvel. And so here we were in the Marvels and they don't quite add up. Granted, again, this is a, technically a sequel. So if you take out the Guardians, well, it's really not that weird either because we don't even have to think about Ronan at all or anything in that nature. And one film to the other makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think you actually crystallized what that confusion was for me because I do kind of get, like you were saying, it makes sense, Civil War, you know, no one singular AI entity running the Kree Empire. Cool, now there's two factions, which we definitely saw play out in Guardians 1. Yeah. Right. Perfect. That part, like you said, that makes sense. I'm like aligned. I get it. But I loved what you were saying about how we saw a functioning Kree empire in 2014. But now we're looking at 2024 to five, somewhere abouts is the math that we've done. And they're completely, they have no sun. They have no water. None of this. Where 10 years ago, we saw a functioning, you know, empire. 
And I think what is confusing to me is there seemed to be an immediate downfall of the Kree once Captain Marvel took away the Supreme Intelligence. Like, I could understand maybe the argument of saying, oh, well, it took a while for Kree society to completely crack apart. But from Darben's flashbacks, it seems like it was a pretty quick downfall. There was the Civil War. It destroyed the entire society. Their sun went out. They had no water, any of that. And that's not at all depicted in Guardians. You know, it seems to be the little bit that we do see a relatively thriving society. I mean, at least to the point where they're able to reach out to other societies. I believe they're trying to get an agreement with the Nova at that time. Yeah. You know, they're strong enough to be able to go to a society like the Nova, which we saw very is very, you know, advanced, very strong at that time. And you know, they're able to be at the bargaining table. Clearly, they have to be offering something or why would the Nova even be at the bargaining table and be willing to have a discussion with them? So I do think that's the part that really I struggle with is that lack of continuity because I love that they went back and they taught us all about what she did to the Supreme Intelligence because that was technically a continuity error in the first movie, you know, from the first movie, really, because that's completely different from the little bit of the Kree society we saw in Guardians 1. So in fixing it, they kind of made something else break. So that's kind of where I'm getting stuck there. Yeah, again, I would say, I guess there's like almost three ways to look at it. One, it's just a continuity error that they forgot in Guardians that they showed us that and they just didn't include it, unfortunately. And so here we are. And if you just take Guardians out of the equation and that little, I mean, it's really like maybe a minute of the entire film, if that. Yeah. If you just take that out or you just don't really pay attention to it, I could see them being like, well, we totally forgot that was there. We've done what we've done. I think you can also look at it if you want to throw the theories out there, if you want to look at it in the storyline that it was all done on purpose. Maybe there was a version of the Kree Empire thriving back in 2014 when the other side who won, and I'm going to do air quotes here, won the Civil War, the positive side, may have gained control. Is that to say that lasted? I don't know. We're at least 10 years out from that now. Maybe the Kree had a second Civil War or something else. Or, quite frankly, I don't know. You were kind of saying about maybe it took a while for the Empire to die. Well, maybe it did. Maybe it just came down to the fact that their son took, you know, 20 years to fully die and their oxygen took 20 years to fully start to deplete. And that can all be factors in there. I also think you can just look at it from the idea of Darben is clearly continuing Ronan's ideals. And so there is another factor. She's sitting there on top. I mean, the Cree people are looking to her. And so... I think seeing that there's clearly been a transition somewhere from what we saw before and what we see now. Where was the good side of the Kree? Non-existent in this film. So we've clearly seen some sort of transition of power. I'm just wondering if that happened off screen since we don't really spend a lot of time with the Kree themselves. Yeah, and that's a good point. And it kind of made me think of two things. The first being, you know, you were saying and we kind of both touched on the idea that it could just be a slow burn death or a slow death of the Kree Empire. I think the other way to look at that is maybe it was just a really long civil war. And it just so happened that that part of the Kree Empire, what we're calling the good part, you know, the non-accuser part, they were actually reaching out because they were still fighting the civil war. We don't actually know the terms that they were looking for with the Nova. Maybe they were powerful enough to say, hey, we're fighting this war against our more extremist fellow Kree help us help you because they're coming for you next. You know, we saw him 
go after the Nova. I don't remember exactly what was said between that Cree dignitary and the leader of the Nova and, and what those terms that they were kind of talking about. If anything, they probably gave us very top line. So there's probably not a lot to pull from that. But I almost wonder if that's something. And the other thing that I want to touch on is what you were saying about the transition of power. If it didn't happen slowly, there's something big that does happen between Guardians and this film, commonly known as the snap and the blip. Very true, and I forgot about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, those five years, we saw chaos on Earth. I'm sure that was chaotic on every planet in the universe. Whether that's the moment that the accusers and the followers of Darben decided to make their move, entirely possible. We don't know who was dusted. We don't know if Darben was dusted. We don't know any of that or how that changed the entirety of the politics between the two. So I think those are two ways to look at it. Maybe it was just a slow death or a slow burn or a slow, you know, civil war. And also maybe there was an entire shift in dynamics and power during the civil war. It's also possible that whatever, you know, kind of triggered the sun death based on the death of the supreme intelligence was worsened by the snap and the blip. You know, we saw it have unprecedented effects, obviously, on Earth and things like that. Some of them for the positive, obviously, with the environmental factors. But then, you know, you don't know how that's going to change other planets and their, you know, fragile ecosystems. If certain people who are in charge of keeping certain systems and ecosystems running are dusted and they don't have a successor, you know, that could help increase exponentially the negative effects of something like a, I don't know, let me take out your entire form of government. So there are many ways that that could work out. I think just bringing up the snap and the blip alone, it opens a whole other avenue. So I think, I mean, really, I think that's your scapegoat option is that really anything could have happened during those five years when that happened. And that could have been the final, you know, nail in the coffin for the Cree Empire. But I also, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, when have we ever seen a government of any kind, whether it's in a show, whether it's in real life, whatever, handle a situation like what happened with the Nova in a correct way, I guess should be the, the way to say that. So I also almost wonder if it if the Kree were punished for what Ronan tried to do, even if he didn't necessarily represent all of the Kree. And even if you had other people from the Kree, you know, probably the real generals that, you know, ran this country or helped run the country or whatever, even if you had them trying to argue against it, who's to say the Nova didn't turn around and go right after the Kree because of what one or I can't just say one because he had he did have an army with him, but one group of the Cree tried to do. So I, I want to just throw that into the ring as well, because that that's just as important, especially when the Cree were trying really hard to have some sort of relations with Nova. I mean, is this not what was going down with the scrolls then too? It's the same thing. And unfortunately, I think you can have good Cree, but their reputation sometimes precedes them. And then on top of that, you have people like Ronan and Darben. So I just think, you know, the Kree are getting really screwed over by some of their own people in the universe. Yeah, definitely. I love the thought of, I don't love the thought, but I, I love the theory. I was around... say, that's a weird way to put that. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> love the thought, the theory, the thought around the idea that, you know, because of one rogue general and his army, either the Kree were punished militarily via some sort of retaliatory attack, or if they're, if the good Kree, as we're calling them, were in such a fragile place and the Nova walked out of discussions 
for aid or something like that, then they are done. And that's how they lose the Civil War. And someone like a Darben, because Ronan is now dead, is able to step into the void and become the leader. Well, and Darben, bringing this all the way back to what we've learned in the Marvels, she obviously blames Carol. And I don't disagree with why she blames Carol, but I think it could be a lot more nuanced than the film might have painted. And that kind of goes back to, I think, you know, one of the discussions we had, and I don't even know if it was on our podcast or on one of the ones we guested on at this point, but I know that we were kind of throwing out the idea of there could have been more backstory for Darben. And I think that might have been part of it is like on surface level, you could argue, okay, well, Captain Marvel, when she destroyed the AI, the Supreme Intelligence, everything went to crap. And that is what Darben is saying. That's why she blames her. But it might not have been an instant thing, as you said way back at the beginning of this discussion. It could have just been the beginning of the downfall. So maybe it wasn't the Supreme Intelligence fully falling apart that caused, you know, all the environmental factors, the full civil war, everything. It was just the fact that that was the start of everything. That got the ball rolling and eventually, you know, momentum just took it and kept it going. Yeah, definitely. I think there are so many ramifications for, I think, what Carol now views as a very reactionary action. Oh, for sure. I think at the time she definitely thought she was doing the right thing. And now she looks at it and she's like, no, I was just heated. I was PO'd because they took my memories and I thought that I was doing the right thing, but justifying it via revenge, which is, of course, what Darben does and kind of they mirror each other in that respect as well, which right. I think is a really interesting kind of dyad there. But now that we've focused on the Cree and specifically kind of their timeline and thrown out some theories about the evolution of their political stance, let's talk about their relationship with the Skrulls because we've got Darben in charge now. It sounds kind of like, you know, based on my understanding from the Marvel, she's the one who was leading the negotiations even back in the Secret Invasion days when Nick is talking about, okay, they want to they want to talk, they want to come to the table. I'm under the impression that that was Darben the whole time. Obviously, we know she didn't enter those negotiations in good faith, but I think it's important that we talk about the ramifications of the breakdown now, Captain Marvel's role in them. And also what's going to happen to the scrolls? Because don't forget, there's a second half. There's a second group of people who are affected by the breakdown of this negotiation. So to start off, the scrolls, where do they go from here? I think there's a couple things to talk about. One, that is the colony, like you mentioned before, that is the colony that was out in space. It's not the colony currently on Earth. I was really proud of that one. I'm not going to lie. That is a really good one. Honestly, I'm really proud of you for that. Sisterly pride. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. We So we know that is not the group led by Talos on Earth, completely different, and that King Valkyrie has now taken them somewhere to be safe. Where do we think that is? Okay. So I don't know, but again, the whole point of this show is not to know and to throw out the theories i honestly i have a weird gut feeling it is back to earth oh i shouldn't say back to earth because i don't think they've ever been there but i do have a weird feeling about it being earth just because i mean king valkyrie has to be aware of this well it's so hard because I don't really know what King Valkyrie sees in New Asgard, but I would have to think she's aware of the scrolls on Earth. And obviously we know Earth is kind of in a weird spot right now because President Ritson was like, ha ha ha, we want everybody who doesn't actually, like pretty much everyone who's not human to not be here anymore. Y'all, ne- y'all are going to die or leave, like make your choice. 
But I think there's a reunion coming. Like, that's what I think they're leading towards is we have two different colonies of scrolls. You have Gaia out here who's a mega super-powered scroll. I forgot about her. I know, right? It's, it's, sometimes I choose to forget. Sometimes <laughs> I just, that ending. Ugh. But, you know, you have this happening on Earth. I would just feel like if I was Marvel, I guess narratively I'm saying, I could see them wanting to unite the scrolls fully instead of keeping them as two separate groups. Do I think that it makes the most sense to take them back to Earth when Earth is kind of against them right now? No, but they're also scrolls and can blend in with people. So I think that leads to their advantage. But again, I think they want to unite them so they don't have to tell two different stories. I think it worked for this movie. I think it's been working that we've seen different parts of the scrolls over time. But at the end of the day, they know, I mean, Gaia's probably stepping into that role, but Talos is gone. They lost their general. I think it, I mean, these scrolls just took a mega hit. There's not a lot of them. So I just think it makes the most sense to unite them with the rest of their people. Whether that means they stay on Earth, that's a different story. I'm aligned with half of what you said. I do agree that you need to unite the scrolls into one group. I don't agree that it's going to be on Earth. I don't think that's where King Valkyrie took them, simply because she is clearly aware of what is going on. I mean, we talked about this in our President Ritson episode. Technically, her people are falling under that umbrella of people that don't belong based on Ritson's very specific verbiage that he uses. Yeah. Anybody who's alien, the Asgardians are not from this planet. They may look like us and we may have a soft spot for Thor, but they are not human. Yeah. Is she going to be willing to bring another set of aliens to new Asgard to put further microscope on her own people who are riding on thin ice? And have been, you know, refugees in the galaxy. I understand why she wanted to help them. You know, the the scrolls have been refugees far longer than the Asgardians have. But they now have that empathy. They now have that experience. Thanks to what happened in Ragnarok. So that I'm totally aligned with. I get why she wanted to help them. Refugee helps refugee. But would she bring them to Earth in a way that could then potentially de-home her own people again? I don't think so. I think the solution is to find somewhere else that is more neutral, somewhere that is more open to receiving refugees. I don't know what that is. I can't think of a planet that's like that yet. I think we heard that Nova's kind of a mess right now based on, I think Thanos went there and did his manual having before he did the universe having. So they're not coming back. If I'm remembering correctly, Nova was one of his targets pre-getting all of the Infinity Stones. Well, they had the Power Stone. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even before, I mean, after, sorry, after Guardians, I think they were, they were a place that he took his children to and they went and they manually did it before he had all of the stones. So I don't think Nova's the place. And I don't really remember off the top of my head a bunch of other planets that we've been to because we don't spend a ton of time with them. But I do think it has to be a neutral, more open planet that is willing to kind of help all of the scrolls. I do think you need some sort of leader. I could see it being the leader of the kind of space. I'm going to call them the space scrolls, the scrolls that were in the Marvels. Him being kind of the more political leader, whereas 
Gaia is more of the kind of enforcer, not against her own people, but as a protector of her people. I don't think she's quite ready to lead from a political standpoint. I also don't think that they're going to want to have a civil war right now. And I think both she and this general general would recognize that, that they need to put on a united front and kind of, you know, combine forces. So I half agree with what you're saying, but I just can't get behind them going to Earth. The one other thing I want to say really quick that I just thought of when you were talking about the two factions of the scrolls is it's interesting to me that you know Nick Fury who's obviously very close in with the earthbound scrolls he's married to one he was best friends with another he is a part of or he was a part of these you know making these talks happen with the Kree but yet it was the other faction of the scrolls that the Krees were talking to so would that even extend to the earthbound scrolls considering at that time they were not one people I'm not really sure. And that's something that I didn't really think about until right now, that technically that was almost a different government speaking on behalf of scrolls, not those that were in leadership for the scrolls that have taken a home on Earth. Okay, so I'm going to answer that in a second, but I just want to say to what you were saying about them not necessarily going to Earth. I don't necessarily think they're going to stay, but I do. I wouldn't be shocked if they're reunited there at least. That's just my thought process because you have the majority of the scrolls on Earth. I think it makes the most sense, especially because to your point, I mean, granted, I know there's the nine realms and I know there's plenty of planets and everything else. But on such short notice, where are you taking them? That's just my my thought process. And again, there's probably like 30 of them at this point. There were not. I mean, they couldn't get half of them on the ships like it wasn't going well. And we already knew this was the smaller faction of the scrolls. So. I just think for maybe the time being, it might just be easier to take them to Earth, have them be in New Asgard. I mean, that doesn't mean they need to be there for six months. They could be there for a week, but at least get them out of the immediate harm's way. Because I can tell you, Ritson isn't going to do crap. All he did was create chaos and fear. That's it. And he's going to be dead soon anyway. Well, that too. (laughs) But I mean, like all he did was create genuine fear And I mean, anybody who's been killed, as we've seen already, the blood on his hands is pretty much what I'm trying to say, because he did that. He created this fear mongering. Either way, to what you're saying about the talks, yes. When I threw the theory out initially about it being the other scrolls, the reason that made the most sense was because it didn't seem like Talos was a part of any bit of conversation (laughs) about possibly going to talk to the Kree. Obviously, Talos was not inherently in charge at the time, but Gravik didn't exactly seem like that was high on his list. Seemed like he was way more determined to take over Earth and screw over the humans. This being said, it is a little weird because one, why was Nick Fury not there? That was kind of something I noticed from the jump was I was like, okay, Nick deliberately goes back up into space because he's saying, hey, these talks are happening. We need to go, which also I want to raise the question of, So, Nick, have you been in contact with the other colony this whole time? Because how else do you know? Also, where is your wife? Yeah, that was a question I had. I just wanted to, like, leave that on the back burner because I was like, honestly, I'm good without her right now. But I don't know. Like, that is the other thing. I'm like, and granted, Nick shares only the information with the people who need to know it. And sometimes we don't need to know it as the audience. But it definitely was something that kept coming to mind was I was like, okay, so... In order to know about these talks, you had to know the other colony. You had to be in some sort of contact with them. And then to you then raise the question of would it extend to those on Earth? I would think so. Mainly because the ones on Earth weren't doing anything for the Kree and to the Kree. They were 
I mean, for lack of better words, they were our problem, right? Yeah. And they still are. They're Earth's problem. As far as the Kree are concerned, Earth can deal with them. As long as they're not doing something super crazy, the Kree do not care, it seems like, because the Kree have not bothered with Earth. There's too many heroes. There's too many people out there that are willing to stop the Kree if they were to try and invade. So I just think they're not bothered with them. However, having a whole colony on a completely different planet, I think to them is a threat. Because also, too, that's how you start to gather. That's how you... Because the scrolls are essentially second-class citizens on Earth. They weren't even... Or I mean, Earth was barely aware they were there up until secret invasion just happened. That, to us, just happened over the summer. So, again, I'm not sure they're worried about scrolls when Earth's barely been worried about scrolls. I'd be a lot more worried about the colony. I think either way, the talks would have extended to all of the scrolls. It's still the leftovers of who made it out of the Kree's initial attacks. So I think regardless, that would stand. But it is interesting because Nick's part is definitely, I think, the biggest gray area out of all of this. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't something that I really thought about in our initial reaction until we started really focusing on this aspect. And this is why I'm so glad we get to do these, because you get to pick apart the things that you weren't necessarily focused on when you had to look at it from a full 90 minute or hour and 45 minute movie because there's so much. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, great. We needed to focus on this because I never would have thought like, hey, Nick is talking to these people. Hey, this is technically two different leaders, two different factions. Well, it's like, what have you been doing on Saber? Have you been talking to those scrolls and worrying about those scrolls more than you've been worrying about the ones on Earth? Because let's not forget how Secret Invasion started. Talos and him were not in a good place because Talos wasn't in a good place because Gravik was out here doing what Gravik was doing. Granted, was a lot of that Fury's fault from the get-go? Yes, of course, we've seen that. But regardless, it's like, were you out here talking and and helping these other scrolls who had this whole other colony? Like, what was happening here? And what side of the game were you playing again, Nick Fury? The eternal question. Whose side are you really on? Right. Well, exactly. And it, it is also interesting because why is Nick Fury so prominently in this when it's beyond him? But then you have Captain Marvel, who doesn't seem to be in it at all, who's a lot more involved. And that's the perfect segue, because I do want to talk about that tension that you see between her and the leader of the Skrulls when she goes in to save them, because he basically blames her for it. And so I think there's a lot of interesting nuance to her being even involved in trying to, quote unquote, save them, because that's that's what she was trying to do. But realistically, she was the reason they, they were in danger in the first place. Just their simple you know, association with her beyond being scrolls. Because obviously we know the Kree hate the scrolls and they'll do anything to, you know, hurt them that they can. But then add on the layer that Darben absolutely hates Captain Marvel and was specifically going after people that Captain Marvel loved or had associations with. Now she has doubly, well, added a second layer of danger to an already dangerous situation for a very vulnerable people. And so I think her being involved and then showing up there and trying to save them just made it worse. And so I think that's super interesting because, you know, you have her whole thing is she wants to save the universe. And we had she had that conversation with Monica about someone always needed me. And then you have Monica saying, well, we needed you too. And her understanding that she doesn't always need to come in as, she hates this name, but come in as the Annihilator. She sometimes need to co- needs to come in as Carol Danvers or know when to stand down. Know when it's not her responsibility 
or no one, it's not, she's not the best woman for the job to fix something. And I think that was one area where that is true. Well, her connection to them, I think is a little weird because if we go back to her roots, what we know, Talos's group is the ones she brings to earth or she brings the rest of them to earth because obviously we already knew scrolls had arrived on earth and that's the group we see her interacting with in the 90s. Uh, I know even during Secret Invasion, I think we were talking about that hopefully one day we'd like to see her interact with Gaia and what that would look like because she knew Gaia as a young kid. And Gaia has her powers. Well, yeah. Uh, again, I, I'm ghosting over that. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get the picture out of my head of her like with that weird CGI Drax arm. Like That is just so ingrained in my head and it so freaks awful. me out. Is It was not good. But I'm thinking, you know, where does the scroll colony from space fit into this exactly? And where did that break happen? And now some of this might be because I haven't watched Secret Invasion since Secret Invasion came out. And Talos does talk about them. But I'm trying to understand why did this colony go off on their own and not stick with the group? How did this happen? And then how did Captain Marvel become affiliated with this other colony when we have never seen her interact with them, never mentioned them really before, unless she's been visiting them and helping them over time. And that, again, is something that happens off screen that we just are never going to see fully play out. Yeah, I think. OK, so to answer the first part of your question, kind of why did they split? I think I'm going to go out on a limb, just say a theory here, I think makes the most sense to me. You know, when their home was destroyed, different people are going to have different opinions about how they should move forward, right? I think it's entirely possible that there was a chasm, a schism that wasn't necessarily violent. It didn't really seem to me that Talos and this guy who I'm so sorry, I cannot remember his name, but the leader of, you know, the we'll call them the Galactic Space Scrolls. There didn't seem to really be animosity between them, just kind of a differing of opinion of how they should kind of handle the situation and what was best for the scroll people. In my head, in my head canon, they basically said, you can either go with Talos or you can go with this guy, make a choice, and that's going to be how we find our home for, you know, the foreseeable future, you know, because we don't have one anymore. So that's kind of my theory for how that went down to answer the first part of your question. For the second part, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were saying, you know, it's entirely possible that Carol in her later years, in the 30 years that we didn't see her between her film, well, I guess it was closer to 2025, that those years that we didn't see her between her film and when she comes back to Earth for Endgame, end of Infinity War, beginning of Endgame, that she found them, that she, because she has an affinity now for the scrolls and those people, she wanted to help them. And that through the years, she has been supporting them. I mean, think about it this way. She's married and we didn't know that. Like, there's an entire set of 30 years worth of stories of adventures that Carol has gone on that we have not been a part of. And I think this is just one of them and that we're kind of expected to say, you know, all right, cool. We get it. We You met up with them somewhere in the 25 or 30 years that it's been and now you have a relationship with them and you've just let them down. And that's kind of, I think, what we're meant to get out of that interaction with that leader is that kind of dynamic. Well, and I think, too, and this is from obviously an objective point of view as somebody who's watching these as films, as TV shows, and isn't obviously living through this on their day to day. It seems like Talos's group always relied more on Captain Marvel 
I just get that impression that they that she was their person. I mean, even up until now with Gravik and everything going on, obviously that was a dark time for Talos's group and continues to be, you know, something we don't know how that's going to play out. But I just think there was a lot of reliance on her and on her helping them versus I wonder if this other group was like, cool, you helped us where for a little, like, we don't need you anymore. We're not, and I don't want to say, oh, we're not like the other group because they might not even be talking to the other group for all we know or barely be talking to them. But kind of the idea of like, we're not like them. We don't need you anymore. I mean, they literally had an entire society set up living their lives on whatever planet they were on and were perfectly happy. So I do think, you know, what did they need her for? And the second that she did show up, Granted, was it her fault what was going down? No. Darbet, well, partially. <laughs> but say, not Arr. directly. Not directly in the sense of her showing up there was not be like what caused Darben to do it. Darben was angry and was going to do it no matter what, because she was going to get back at Captain Marvel. No matter how she was involved, she was going to get back at Captain Marvel. So in the long run, yes, but not in that moment. She was trying to help them in that moment. I just think they didn't want her. They didn't need her anymore. And her showing up just seemed like it was making things worse, even though in that moment, her showing up wasn't, of course. Yeah, no, I agree with that assessment. I think it's it's also probably and I'll take it back to that conversation she had with Monica again, kind of that idea of she always thinks she's needed out in space, you know, and that perception that I'm Captain Marvel. I have to protect everybody. Right. And I think it almost didn't occur to her maybe that there's a set of people that just don't need and do not want her protection. Well, exactly. And I mean, granted, did Darben and her talks go the way, well, honestly, they they went the way I think we all thought they were going to go, which yeah. was not in the positive direction. I would have been shocked if anybody out there I genuinely thought this was going to work out, especially in this film, because I don't think I anticipated it to even be a factor in this film until we started seeing scrolls in the trailer. And I was like, huh, weird, because I didn't think we were going to focus on that during this. But I mean, no, I didn't expect for a second that Darben's talks would be successful. Obviously, Darben went into this fully not trying to be successful. But I do give this other colony so much credit for the fact that they even tried. Yep. And they tried with an accuser of all people. Granted, probably the one in charge of the Kree Empire at that point. But still, it's not like they were dealing with the nice side of the Kree. They were dealing with an accuser who already, I mean, look at Ronan, was ready to wipe an entire planet off it, like the existence. So, I mean, I don't, to me, didn't seem like they felt like they needed her at all. They were doing things by the book. Politically, they were doing things the right way, even if Darben was not going to give them what they wanted. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect segue into the last topic that we want to talk about for this episode, which is where do these groups of people go from here? We know they're not going to be in an alliance. We talked a little bit about the scrolls. The Kree, I mean, they've got their planet back now, but I want to just point something out. I want to put out a theory because I've been thinking about it and we've been talking a lot about the Young Avengers lately for obvious reasons. Hulkling is a hybrid person. He is half Kree, half Skrull. And if I'm remembering correctly, at the time that that is kind of found out, that that's revealed, that's scandalous. The idea that a Kree and a Skrull could actually get along well enough to conceive a child. Yeah. And so it almost makes more sense to me now 
that they are back at each other's throats because you're setting up that kind of dynamic between the two again of, oh my God, one of our own was with one of them, you know? And so now I'm like, all right, great. Can we have Hulkling in the next, you know, few years? Can he be revealed? Because now there's that dynamic again of, disbelief that two people one Kree and one scroll could actually get along well enough to conceive a child who is now you know ideally 15 to 18 so that he can join the rest of the young avengers that we now know are forming just want to put that out there the first thing i want to address is i don't want to say that they're not going to be able to come to terms with each other primarily because darben is dead We have seen another accuser fall. And now is that to say, well, we're not going to see another accuser rise? Not at all. That's very possible. But we've seen that Darben is no longer clearly in charge. She is dead. And we're sure of that one. Like that one, we saw the body. That one's gone. Check mark, saw the body, moving on. Yeah. Again, does that mean that that's going to necessarily make the Kree amazing again? No, but Darben wasn't the one who saved them at the end of the day. Captain Marvel was. So could we be seeing another civil war? I think is more of the question. Could we be seeing, you know, the Kree empire go through another phase of metamorphosis in, and I, I kind of hate calling them an empire right now because they're clearly not, but you know, can we see them go through something else to change into possibly getting closer to that Kree empire again, that big, you know, Everybody knew them, who they were, the name. It just held power. Could we be seeing them getting to, I mean, this was the low of low. Are they ready to rise back to the top? This all being said, I don't want to write off that they could have somebody rise who's more willing to give the scrolls a chance and more willing to have real peace talks with them than Darben was. And I think that's entirely possible. I'm really pushing for Hulkling because that's what I want. But I do think that your theory definitely has a lot of merit. I think it's definitely plausible. I think that one thing that it makes me think about too is we are going to see more space focused things in the future. You know, we're taking a little break from space for the time being, but Fantastic Four, they're a little bit space focused. I mean, they're obviously Earth-based heroes, but they spend a lot of time in space. We're going to get a Nova show. So we're going to revisit that entire society Could we see them trying to rekindle something with the Kree and get a little bit more intergalactic space politics in there? Entirely possible. And so I think the idea of a rising, a burgeoning, a reimagining of the Kree empire is actually super interesting. And I want to talk more about, or I want to have the opportunity to talk more about space empires and things like that and intergalactic politics because I think that it's an interesting storyline I think it's interesting plot and I want long story short I would love to see that because I want to see them interact with other societies yeah and I think you know guardians gives a taste of it and guardians themselves don't exactly play by the galactic rules (laughs) so I think that would be interesting I do just want to circle back to your hulkling stuff because I didn't have a chance to address that There's two routes here that I'm going to throw out. And I guess there's three. The first just being Hulkling doesn't happen at all. Simple, put it to the point. I know, I know. But simple and put it to the point, it doesn't happen. Okay, whatever. Second point is Hulkling is already alive. Already happened. And maybe that is with where the Kree Empire stands now and where the scrolls stand. Maybe that is what brings them together. Because if we think timeline-wise, well... We can't have the kid be born now if we want him to be or her if they decide to change 
their gender or whatever. We can't have that kid be three. That doesn't work for us. That's not going to check out for the Young Avengers. We aren't going that young. So that kid's got to be born already if they want to do it. That being said, the other option is Hulkling isn't in this universe. And I don't want to get too far into that because we can go down quite a few different roads with that. But it's possible Hulkling gets brought in when Battleworld happens. And maybe he's still or they are still able to be what brings the scroll and the Kree together because they see that this hybrid has happened, even if it didn't happen in their universe. They see that there is a universe where the scroll and the Kree clearly got along because here's this kid who's both of them. So those are my thoughts on on Hulkling, just to address those since you brought him up. I can get behind two and three. I mean, one is plausible. It just annoys me, but I can get behind two and three I think that's kind of where I was getting at where I was like hopefully he's 15 because or 15 to 18 because obviously him being born now is like not helpful because he wouldn't even fit our like mini Avengers who no. are like young T'Challa, Phi Lavelle, Love, Love. Like, he, yeah. he would need to be like either 9 to 12 or like 14 to 23 like he needs to be in either one of those ranges for him to fit into our current theory buckets yeah so agreed on the ages and i i agree i mean you know with the multiverse we've said it a million times all things are on on the table it's entirely possible we're gonna get these characters not necessarily born in our universe but brought in later obviously with battle world we have the opportunity to really explore the multiverse in a way that we haven't deeply yet especially i'm looking at you mom with your quick travel through many different universes but i mean i don't know about you kate I think that's all I wanted to talk about as it relates to intergalactic politics and kind of all that we know now. You are giving me the thumbs up, so we're going to call it a wrap on this episode. But this has been really, really fun. And again, this is why we love to do these because this is a whole deep discussion that we never would have gotten to do. Breaking things down, diving deep, finding flaws, finding continuity errors, questions and things like that. And that's the stuff that we love to do, tossing out new theories. So thank you for coming along on this ride with us. If you are looking forward to more episodes like this where we get to dive deep into specific topics, you can follow on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you're also checking out our website where we have the calendar and the homepage of the site where you can choose to support the episode if you would be so kind. You can follow us on Twitter at SisAssembledPod and Instagram and threads at SistersAssembled to keep up with the show. For next week, we are already starting the, well, I don't know if I should say it that way. We're starting the final show of the 2023 year or the the final piece of content for the 2023 year. And I don't even know if we all thought it was going to come out in 2023. And then they announced it like a month ago and we were like, okay, so what if predictions are coming out next week, if you guys can believe it or not. So get ready. Make sure you guys are sticking around for that episode because that's going to be a good one. We're pretty excited. What if season one was awesome? So we're excited for season two. And as always, keep up with all the Marvel content and ours as well, because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it.